I know we have, we've had uh, these dedications, so it's been great, it's been awesome, and uh, here this morning, I don't have a very long message, but I want to be able to give you a good message, because that's what the Bible is, good news, can I hear an amen? Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Somebody say living. living. Somebody say holy. holy. And somebody say sacrifice. And then it says acceptable to God, which is your spiritual or reasonable act of service of worship. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now. I give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Be with us here this morning. Lord, I thank you for what you've done and what you're continuing to do. Bless this word. Remove me. Place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. In Jesus' name. And all together we said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell him, out the box. Okay, how about, ah, oh, praise the Lord. Let there be buttons, amen. You ever got on a remote control lately and looked at all the buttons on that thing? So many buttons. Like, all I want to do is just change the channel and turn it off and on, that's it. So we'll see what happens, amen. All right, can you hear me now? Good, all right, praise the Lord. I, li- I like it better when I can use my hands, that's why, amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice. Now, I want to ask you a question really quick. And if you were like me, especially growing up in the things of God, have you ever tried to figure out God? Right? God, this has to be God. God, he does it like this. And I want to tell you something. The more you try to figure out God, the more you figure out, you're not going to figure him out. It's just right when you think this is how God must be, all of a sudden God shows you that's not how I am. Out of the box. I want you to grab your Bible with me real quick. Everybody grab your Bible. Hold it up. Come on, hold up your Bible. If you got your cell phones, amen, you can hold up your Bible app, amen. Hold up your Bible. Say this is a Bible, not a box. Tell your neighbors, say, this is a Bible, not a box. Now, if you have a 
cell phone and probably you're like, no, it actually is a box. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they could turn me up in the monitor just a little bit. But Rob Bell said, the moment God has figured out with nice, neat lines and definitions, we are no longer dealing with God. And it's so true. Many times we always try to figure out, this is how God must be. And even the men that walked with Jesus, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, they were amazed at who he was. They even said, who is this man? I'm walking with this guy. I figured he is the Messiah, but I don't know who he is. Because what he does is just blowing my mind. The moment you try to figure God out, he just blows your mind. Uh, I like the way uh, a teacher said it one time. He said, every scripture is like a diamond. And a diamond has 70 facets to it when you just put the light to it. So the moment, like picture a diamond. You get a diamond and you shine a light through it. Move it one way and you see it differently. Move it one way and you see it differently again. Move it another way, and each scripture is like that. So even though, and if you're like me, you study the scriptures, and you've looked at it, years later, you turn the scripture and go, wow, I didn't see it like that. I never saw it like that. And see, a lot of times, that's why a lot of people, they come to church, oh, I know the word of God. I know, and you know what the purpose of, my, or actually my responsibility as a, as a pastor and coming to this church, my purpose is for those of you that you study the scriptures, which you should do, my purpose is for you to get that diamond and just go like this. Just move it. See it differently. Just see it differently. Well, I know God like this. Good, I'm glad you know God like that. But just turn it and you'll see him differently. Because don't try to figure out God because the moment he does, he'll blow your mind. And that's the great thing I love about God is that he always blows my mind. Matter of fact, if you follow me on Facebook, some of my favorite postings, when I'm done with it, I always go, boom. Because I'm like, yeah, that's like, it feels good. There's a lot of times in the scriptures when you read it, it just makes you go, boom. Like, where did that come from? I didn't even see that. Because the moment we try to figure it out, Scripture comes and just, boom, it just hits you. There's a few Scriptures, as a matter of fact, even as you study them, as you look at them, you'll read and they just blow you out of the water. Matter of fact, if you read the Scriptures, there's a Scripture in the Bible that talks about, okay, don't marry prostitutes. It's not a good thing. Right? Doesn't that sound pretty good? Because the Torah says, don't marry prostitutes. Sounds pretty good. Matter of fact, even prostitutes in the book of Deuteronomy, they should be stoned to death. That's what the Torah says. Right? But then here comes the boom. In Hosea chapter 1 verse 2, when the Lord began to speak to Hosea, the Lord said to him, go take yourself a prostitute as a wife. Wait a second. I thought... You're not, wait, hold on. Well, see, yeah, well, for your situation, it could be. But for Hosea, it was something different. See, the moment we come and say, God's like this, he comes and says, boom. I'm going to blow you out the water. Now, it only makes sense, right? Now, I'll, I'll give you another one, for example. It only makes sense, right? Don't touch your poop. Right? That's what the book of Deuteronomy says. Leave your excrement. Bury it, matter of fact. Bury the thing. Don't touch it. And it only makes sense, right? If you're going to be a Christian, it only makes sense. You know, I don't want to be a Christian who's a poop Christian, right? You know? <laughs> Mess with poop. But then in Ezekiel chapter 4, 
He says, eat the food as you would a barley cake. Bake it in the sight of people using poop for fuel. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. God, God would never tell me to touch my poop. Are you sure? He did with Ezekiel. That's what he told them. I'm just saying. So can you, can you imagine right now if I said, okay, we're going to do an exercise right now. And uh, it's going to cause everyone to go to the bathroom. Uh, and you, I want you all to come back with a bucket. That, that sounds kind of sick, right? So right away we go, God would never. Really? God would never? God never? See, you just be, be very careful. Hosea, he said, go ahead and get yourself a prostitute wife. I have a purpose for that. Ezekiel, go ahead and uh, I need you to actually use the excrement for, for fuel. There's a purpose to it. So right when you think God would never, this is a Bible, not a box. Make sure you use it correctly. God would never. Are you sure? And that's the great thing I love about God is because right away, he just gives us the boom. Matter of fact, even to this day, don't eat pig. Don't touch pig. That's not good. It's unclean. And then all of a sudden in the book of Acts, God tells Peter, okay, Peter, go ahead. I want you to get some pork grinds. Right, but wait a second, and even Peter, even Peter, when you read it there in the book of Acts, even Peter says, well, wait, God, hold on one second. And God says, no, 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 listen to me. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm saying. Go ahead and get it. Don't call unclean what I've made clean. Don't say that would never happen. I can do what I want. Isn't he God? He can kind of do what he wants. It's kind of safe to say. So what I'm saying is that a lot of times we try to put God in a box and we say, oh, God, it's like, oh, God says you must wear a tie. Wait, wait, wait. Holiness is only in a tie? It's not in a tie. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I like wearing ties because I figure I look better than George Clooney. It ain't my fault. <laughs> don't blame me. I had a whole conversation. I'm saying that because I had a whole conversation with a guy. Because he's like, oh, victory outreach. You guys are stuck in the, that's old school. You guys are stuck in your old ways. And I said, wait, 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 wait. So hold on one second. I like wearing a tie. He goes, oh, yeah, see, churches nowadays, they're changing. I said, that's good, that's changed, but I want to tell you something. If I like to wear a tie, I want to wear a tie. Don't get mad at me because I look better than you. I really did tell him that, too. <laughs> I said, don't get mad at me. It's not my fault. And he's like, no, that's just, that's the old way. I said, well, look, that, that may be for you, but for me, it works. I like wearing a tie. I like, if the Holy Ghost, can, believe me, I know the Holy Ghost can hit me with or without a tie. I'm not worried about that. I'm not trying to get caught up in church tradition. I'm trying to get caught up in the presence of God. And when you come to church, you, I hope that you don't come saying, okay, this has to happen. God must meet me like this. No, you got to be able to say, God, meet me however you want. Show me whatever you want to show me because I want to have my heart open, my mind open for whatever you want to show me. I don't want to call unclean what you want to say is clean. I only want to do what you want me to do. And way too many times we come and we figure, oh, this is how it has to happen. And the perfect example, I can remember many times even living in the home, I see a lot of guys, okay, God, you're going to touch me like this on this day. And if you can't touch me after two months, then I'm out of here. Right? Because we do that a lot of times. Okay, God, I, I came to the, I'm single, and if I don't get a wife within the third month, okay, I'm going to another church. 
Okay, God, you said, you said, like if God's got amnesia or something, you know, you said, God, you said, it. just hold on with it. This is a Bible. It's not a box. And there are too many people that are coming to church trying to figure out God rather than please God. Listen, we come to church to please God, not to figure out God. And when you come to please God, then what it does is it makes that heart and heart become a heart of flesh, and you come at him humbly. And you say, okay, God, I'm not here to try to figure you out. I'm not here to try to do this. I'm, not, I'm just here to say, God, I want you to speak to me. I want you to show me, show me something like you showed Ezekiel. Show me something like you showed Hosea, like you showed Peter, like you showed the pastor, like you showed everyone else. God, show me. I want to please you. Can I hear an Amen. I like what a teacher once said. He said, if you spend all day talking about God and you get 95% of what you were talking about wrong, God is still pleased that you spent the whole day talking about him and not something else. And isn't that so true sometimes? I know some of the greatest theologians that I've heard that I've listened to and, and, and even spoken with. Man, they come up with some great things and you go, wow. And then five years later they go, okay, uh, you know, that was good, but I got something new now. And these are great theological minds. But even they know, man, it's not trying to figure out God. I just want to please God. I just want to please him. And so has there ever been any scriptures that have really just kind of boggled your mind? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 was that for me. It just kind of boggled my mind. Re you know, look at this here. This is the kind of scripture that when you look at it, it's like it doesn't really make any sense, especially... You know, we're Americans, right? I'm an American, you're American. And we take things in a literal way. In other words, especially when this word first came out, I know my parents were like, huh? Because I used to go, oh, that's bomb. And I remember my dad would go, that's bomb. Is there a bomb? <laughs> Something explode? Like, wait, what? Because... You know, especially, I mean, we're, we're, we're form thinkers. We think in fashion, oh, that's tight. You mean that's tight? Like, is it, is it tight? No, no, no. See, but we, we understand when we say bomb, we just, it's, you know, kind of that figure of speech. And what we're actually referring to is whatever situation that is, it's kind of what a bomb would do. A bomb explodes, right? So when we're, we're oh, that was bomb, that means like, there was an explosion. Like, man, that was big, that was huge, that was awesome. It was cool, that's bomb. So for those of you that want to catch up, you know, just use that word with your kids. Hey, kids, that's bomb. <laughs> Where did my parents learn that? I learned it in church. <laughs> Go ahead, you can take it. Because we're form thinkers. And actually, when you read the scriptures, a lot of times, uh, the, the Hebrew people, they're function thinkers. They think in, for, in the ways of, of function. What does a bomb do? Remember Moses? Uh, the Bible says that God protected him by his hand. The hand uh, protected him, did not see him. So the Hebrew people, when they begin to study that, they don't think God's giant hand. God's got a giant hand. It's a huge hand. They don't say, no, what does a hand do? A hand protects. A hand protects shakes, a hand, this, a hand is loving, a hand is, this is what a hand is used for. So when you read the scriptures and you look at it, don't look at it in the literal sense because, you know, we're, 
Western civilization, we think of forms. Oh, a hand. It must be a huge hand. That's a huge. God's eyes go to and fro. And so right away we think, God, he's got these huge old eyes, right? Because right away when you say eyes, you think form. The form of eyes. And so what we know, as you said, God is spirit, right? God is a spirit. He's the eye. I mean, those must be the hugest eyes ever, right? I mean, humongous. But no, what do eyes do? What does a hand do? So when I was reading this scripture, I began to say, okay, Romans chapter 12, therefore I urge you, brethren, to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice. That right there got me. Because I said, how do you have a living sacrifice? I don't get that. That doesn't make any sense off the top, right? Because I'm a form thinker. Because a sacrifice, you learn, you know, you got to kill the thing. It's done. But how do you have an alive sacrifice? How does that happen? So you got to look at it from the ways of a function. What does this happen? Well, what are they, who is writing this? Matter of fact, the book of Romans. Who wrote the book of Romans? Paul, right? What was Paul's job? What was he? He was, you know, for the good news, but what he was, Paul was actually a rabbi. He was also a tent maker, but he was a rabbi. That's what Paul was. He studied. He got in there and he studied. So Paul, here he is, he's a rabbi, and so when you study the scriptures, especially if you're a rabbi, what do rabbis study? The Torah, right? They study this. So where would Paul get this phrase, holy and acceptable sacrifice? Where would he get this from? Where did he learn it from? So I began to really study this, and I looked into it, holy and acceptable sacrifice. Now what Paul would have done is he would have learned this from the book of Leviticus. And you could read it there in the book of Leviticus, and if you really, you know, kind of read that book, right away you think it's just a whole bunch of killings, right? They're just killing everything. Kill the bird, kill the goat, kill the, I mean, they're just killing everything. So that's why a lot of times, a lot of people, they just kind of look at the book of Leviticus and they go, I'm not going to read that. But that's what Paul did, and this is where Paul got it from. And when you read actually the first few chapters, you will read that the sacrifice must be holy and acceptable. Now, three things must happen for a sacrifice. And this is where I'm going to uh, uh, get into it right here. Three things must be true of every sacrifice. Look at this. Number one, the head must be cut off. Number two, the legs must be cut off. And number three, the inner parts must be clean. Did you catch that? Number one, the head must be cut off. Number two, the legs must be cut off. And number three, the inner parts must be clean. So when Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your head cut off, your legs cut off, and your inner parts clean. If you're going to be a sacrifice, you must have your head cut off, your legs cut off, and your inner parts clean. Now, right away, right, because we're Americans, we think in terms of form. But he's sharing the function. What is the function of the head? What is the function of the legs? What is the function of the inner being? Are you guys hearing me? This is good stuff right here. I hope you're catching this right. It's very important if you're going to be a living sacrifice. Now, what is the function of a head? What's the function of a head, right? Lada, this is your thought process. This is the, the, the authority, right? That's what the head represents. Like if I told you you were the head of your house, that doesn't mean you have the biggest head in your house. <laughs> You're the head and not the tail, right? We're, we're not literally talking your head. 
What does a head do? The head of the authority. Like when, when people say, who is the head of your house? Be the husband. Of the, and it's very important. Husbands, listen to me. Catch this. If you're going to be the head of your house, when he says, present yourself a living sacrifice, he's saying, listen, give up your authority for God's authority. So uh, you're going to catch that on the way home right there. Not your authority, not your, this is my way. No, 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 no. Give up your way, give up your authority for God's authority. Your head for his head. The Bible even says, I believe in the book of Ephesians, that we grow into the body as he is the head. He's the head. Now, as I was studying, what's a scripture where even Jesus himself, where he talks about his head? Can you guys remember the scripture? I think there's only one that I can, as I was studying, I only found one. Where Jesus talks about his head. You guys remember? Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the has nowhere to lay his head. Right? That's what he said. So right away you go, okay, Jesus must be poor. Um, actually, Jesus was not poor. Study it for yourself. Jesus wasn't poor. I mean, think about it. Who in the world can attract thousands of people on a hillside with no cars and get people to be very quiet and listen to them in a culture that is a giving culture. He was, you know, a lot of people, they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And when they wanted to hear it, they would give. They were givers. There was a lot of givers. So believe me, Jesus wasn't poor. It's just he gave a lot to the poor. That's what Jesus did. But a lot of people, they go, oh, you know, well, Jesus was poor. No. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have. Okay, look at the scripture. What do foxes do in holes? Have babies. That's what. That's what they do. Foxes don't live in holes. They have babies. What do birds have in nests? They have babies. They, they don't live in nests. They, they live in the trees. But they have babies. So here Jesus is saying, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man, I have nowhere to put my authority in. I don't have a body yet. There's nowhere there. I want to. I want to give it to you. Because remember, why did he ask, answer that question? Somebody came to him and said, Jesus, I will follow you. I'm going to follow you. I want to be your disciple. So think about that answer. Can you imagine? I mean, think about this. I mean, really, it just boggles my mind. Jesus always does that. His answers always boggle my mind. Can you imagine? I come up to you, and I say, hey, how you doing? And you go, oh, man, pastor, I want to study the Bible with you. I want to be your disciple. And I go, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but I don't got nowhere to lay my head. <laughs> yes. Now, does that make any sense? No. Like, uh, that doesn't, that, huh? That doesn't make no sense whatsoever. But it's because what Christ was telling him here, he said, look, I have this authority, and I, I need a body to put it in. Foxes can reproduce. Birds can reproduce. But I have nowhere to reproduce yet. But what now what we've learned is that the church is now the body. And he is the head. So what he's saying is saying, look, when you present yourself a living sacrifice, get rid of your way so that I can produce myself into you. I want to give you something that is great and awesome. Remember when Jesus ascended into heaven in the, in the book of Matthew, what did he say? He said, all authority that has been given to me, I give to you. I want to produce myself 
in you. So when you say, I want to be a living sacrifice, you're saying, God, I want you to produce yourself in me. Everything that you can do, give it to me. The other day, I had my kids, and my kids were all right there, and we were all playing around. And then right away, I said, okay, I got to go. Right away, my son, he, runs, he walks right up to me, or should I say, runs right up to me. He goes, Dad, who's in charge? Right? Right? Because most kids want to know who's in charge. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you're in charge if you let God produce himself in you. All authority has been given to me. I give it to you. The second thing that a sacrifice is, is that the legs must be cut off. The legs must be cut off. Now, right away, I know somebody says, oh, my legs? I like my legs. I love my legs. I don't want to. No, no, no. Not the form. What do legs do? Legs are movement. Legs are walk. Legs give you, they give you from here to there. They, the, the legs make sure that you go the right way. So what uh, Paul is saying here, he says, look, I want to make sure that you give up your authority, and I want you to make sure that you give up your way for God's way. Don't go your way, because your way, you might just fall off a cliff. You might just go somewhere where you're not supposed to be. And believe me, you ever found yourself in a situation and you just go, man, I should not be here right now? And you know it? You know, like, man, I should not be here. But for some reason, these feet, they got me here, man. I'm blaming all my feet. This is all my feet's fault. No, it's because you haven't presented yourself as a living sacrifice yet. That's all it is. Because if you say, okay, God, I want your way and not my way, then what you're saying is, okay, God, you lead me and you guide me. Now think about that, if you will, for a second. When we say, okay, God, I want your way and not my way. I want your thoughts and not my thoughts. Think about the ways of Christ. What did Christ te teach? He said, okay, I want you to turn the other cheek. Well, I know for those, many of us, we're like, I ain't turning no cheek. If I'm turning this cheek, I'm turning the other one right back, and I'm socking him right back. Matter of fact, Christ said, if they ask you to go one mile, go another one. How are we doing with that one? He says, don't serve money. How are we doing with that one? You see, see, these are God's ways, right? God's way, well, you know, well, I, you know, my way is a good way. Really? Your way is the best way? See, look, one thing that I've learned, and I, my, my father used to always teach this and, and tell it even when he would preach, I don't want to come to church just to go to heaven. Hear me. I don't want to come to church just to go to heaven. I come to church because I believe God's way is the best way. That's it. I believe God's way is the best way. His is the best way to live. Matter of fact, Christ even said, your enemies love them. How are we doing with that one? I know someone like, yeah, man, if I just see that girl one more time, ooh, she don't even know who she met with. <laughs> really? Well, I mean, if you want to do it your way, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. But God actually says, love your enemies. Pray for those who curse. Bless those who curse you. Give to those in need. I mean, see, God's ways. See, we, right away we want to do it our way. But what does God's way say? And so that's why when Paul says, present yourself a living sacrifice, what I want you to do is, I want you to do it God's way. And the last thing was the insides. The inner, when you study the scriptures, when the insides were being cleaned, 
Who would clean the insides of a sacrifice? The priest. The priests were the ones who would clean the insides. So what, what happens is, is when, what Paul is saying, he says, look, if you give up your authority for God's authority, if you give up your ways for God's ways, what's going to happen is your insides, the high priest, is going to clean them. Jesus is the high priest. God, he's the high priest. So for those of you that are saying, man, I, man, I want something on the inside. I need it to change. And I keep trying to, you keep trying to do it your own way. God's saying, look, don't do it your way. I'll clean you. All, the, all those spots that are on the inside, I'll make you new. All those hurts and bitterness, I will take that from you, and I will make you a new creation. See, see, the sacrifice of what it is, this sacrifice is a living, walking, talking, breathing sacrifice. Tell your neighbor, say, you're a living sacrifice. See, the word sacrifice, and I'm closing right here. The word sacrifice in the Greek means thusia. I like this. Catch this one right here. Thusia. Somebody say thusia. See, you just spoke Greek right there. The word thusia means slaughter by fire. Look at this. For a purpose. Slaughter by fire for a purpose. I like that right there. In other words, you just don't kill it just to kill it. I'm not just killing anything just to kill anything. I don't come to church just to come to church. I don't say I'm a Christian just to say I'm a Christian. If you say I'm a Christian, you're saying I want to be a person that catches fire for a purpose. Think of it like this. Think of it like this. How many of you want the fire of God in your household? How many want the fire of God? Okay. For those of you in ministry, how many want the fire of God in your ministry? Raise your hand. How many want the fire of God in your marriage? How many want the fire of God in your finances, in your money? Okay. If you want the fire of God, the only way the fire of God is going to fall is if you present yourself a sacrifice. You can't say, I want the fire of God, just show up. And God's saying, okay, I'll show up. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? I'll give you the fire of God. Some of you guys are going to catch this right now. I will give you the fire. I will present myself. I will show myself. But I need a sacrifice. Listen to me. I'm believing for the city of Hayward for there to be a change in this city. But I can't ask God for the fire for my city if I don't present myself a sacrifice. If I don't share myself and if I don't say, God, I want you to be able to change my city. But the guy's looking down and saying, okay, sacrifice. Listen, when's the last time you wept for your city? When's the last time you wept for your marriage? When's the last time you wept for your fight? See, many of them, I want the fire of God. Okay, where's the sacrifice? I want to be blind. I want money. I want a lot of money. I want, okay, where's the sacrifice? Now, believe me, I'm not talking when it comes to your finances. Give all your finances. No, keep your finances. Keep those things. You need to learn what it is to present yourself a living sacrifice. Because God, what he's saying, he's saying, look, I want to show myself. I want to reveal myself to my people, but I need a sacrifice. See, what we did a couple weeks ago as we, you know, did all those marches every Saturday, to me, what we were really doing is we're saying, okay, we'll be the sacrifice for our city. People want to make fun of us. People want to look at us, point at us. That's fine. 
But we're, we're walking, living, talking, breathing sacrifices down A Street, down Llewellyn, down Dakota. See, wherever you're at, present yourself a living sacrifice. If you work at the, the job, if you work at a mechanic shop, if you work at the grocery store, if you work at a restaurant, wherever you work, present yourself a living sacrifice. That you could be able to say, God, wherever I'm at, your fire can show up. Wherever you're at, I want to ask you this question. Can the fire of God show up wherever you go? Can the fire of God show up wherever you go? And this is where I'm ending right here. My prayer, as he comes to the piano, my prayer, listen to me, my prayer is that the fire of God would show up in the city of Hayward. That's my prayer. Yesterday we had a an, an explosion of a building, right? Did anybody see that or watch that? Did anybody go over there? Anybody go? A few of you guys went? So a few of you guys went. Did anybody see it on, on, on the internet, on the internet, right? Now if you saw it, if you didn't, just to kind of fill you in, they had the hall here of practically probably the only monument that I think Hayward has. That's like the only thing that we had, you know? When people drive, they go, what's that? Oh, that's Cal State Hayward. I still call it Hayward. I, East Bay. All right, fine. Cal State Hayward. The Warren Hall. And what they did is they imploded it, and it fell. And a lot of people, it was kind of mixed emotions, like, yay, oh, a little bit of both. When you looked at the city of Hayward, when you saw pictures, it was known kind of for that building. Whether you kind of like the building or not, even if you were, not from Hayward. When you drive into Hayward, you see that thing, right? You see that building, like, hey, I see that. Because it was just known for that. My prayer is that when people come to my city, they look and they go, isn't that the city where the fire of God resides? It, isn't that the city where those crazy, radical, fanatical off the hook, I mean, I just can't put my finger on it, but every time I go there, there's just like a fire that shows up there. I can't explain it, but man, I want to touch it. If you're like me, listen, be honest, if you're like me, if you see smoke, there's fire, right? And if you're driving, don't you want to drive over there? Don't you, don't lie, don't lie, you're in the house of God. When I see a fire, I want to go. I'm like, okay, uh, where are we going? We were going to the store, but I, oh, we're not going to the store anymore. Uh, <laughs> store's not going nowhere. Let's go see what's happening. Because where there's a fire, people want to be a part. People want to come. See, listen to me. Listen, Victory Hours right here. Catch this. For those of you that say, man, I, I want to see more people in here. Listen, then let your marriage catch fire. For those of you that say, man, I want more people in my ministry. Okay, then let your ministry catch fire. For those of you that say, man, we need more finances in the church. Okay, let your finances catch fire. Present yourself a living sacrifice. Then you can say, God, I want to be a man that you can catch me on fire. John Wesley said, I just go to the sidewalk. I preach, I set myself on fire and let people watch me. It's all I do. My prayer that we would have people, listen, we're not looking for perfect people. If you came here to this church thinking, man, I got to be perfect to attend this church, or I got to have this the right way, or man, my, my marriage is on the rocks, or man, my parenting, my kids are running, I'm not perfect. Listen, we're not asking for perfection. 
We're just asking that you would say, you know what? Let God catch you on fire. It could start with a spark. That's fine. Let it be a spark. Well, what do I do? How do I? Don't worry about it. Little by little. One part, just let God take over your life. Let him be the head of your life. Another part, for those of you who have been trying to do it your way, stop doing it your way. Let God do it. Let him guide you. He'll protect you. And then lastly, for those of you who say, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to change on the inside. Don't try to do that. Let God do that. But I have all this bitter. God will help you with that bitterness. But I have all this pride. God will help you with that pride. Listen, if there's anybody here in this place that could talk about pride, it's me. I think I was like a professional pride guy. And if you're like me, we got other professionals in this place too. And God says, look, just present yourself and I'll do the rest. Some of you here this morning, you've been saying, I want God to show up. Okay, he says, first you present yourself and watch what I do. I want to see the fire of God in my city. Man, I want to see it so bad. You don't know how bad I want to see it, man. I see the news and go, man, Hayward's just known for tragedy. I almost feel like sometimes not even telling people I'm from Hayward because when they go Hayward, they go, isn't that Oakland? Don't you guys have like crazy shootings? You know? And I feel like, you know what, just because then I want to defend myself and go, man, shut up. But the reality is I can't because it's true. It's true. People killing each other. Cops doing whatever they want. And people running around. And it's, it's madness. But I can't get mad if I don't present myself a sacrifice. I can't get mad. Say, Where's God? God's, God's looking down going, where's my sacrifice? I'll show myself if you present yourself. Here this morning, I want to challenge you. Even for those of you that say, well, I'm not a Christian, I'm not saved. Today is the day of salvation. That you can present yourself the beginning of that sacrifice. I'm not asking for you to have it all together. But all I'm asking is saying, you know what, God, I just want to present myself as a holy and acceptable sacrifice. Find favor on a wretched soul like me. I'm nobody. But God, you're going to turn me into somebody. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes and lift your hands with me if you can for just a few moments. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for some of you here this morning. That you say, you know what? I, I want to present myself a, a holy and, and a living sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice. And, and maybe it could be in, in various avenues. Maybe it's the authority. Maybe it's the way. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the, the, the insights that you're just saying, you know what, God, I need you to do it. I, I need to let my hands off. And God, you clean me, God. You direct me. You show me. You take the headship. You take over this household, God. Produce yourself in me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Do whatever you want. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And here this morning you say, you know what? I want to present myself a living sacrifice. Maybe it's a sacrifice for your city. Maybe it's a sacrifice for your ministry. Maybe it's a sacrifice for your marriage. Maybe it's a sacrifice for your job. But you need to be the sacrifice. It's not what you do. It's who you are. It's not what you do. It's who you are. Who you are who you are, and because you're a sacrifice, you will do what God has called you to do. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed. And here this morning you say, you know what? I want to present myself a holy and acceptable sacrifice unto God. If that's you here this morning, as he begins to sing this song, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I want you to come to this altar and I want to pray with you here this morning. Whatever it might be. Come on, come on up to this altar right now. And we're going to pray and we're going to believe God for whatever it is that you're saying, God, I want to be that living sacrifice. God, I want to be that living sacrifice. You show yourself strong to me, oh God. Let me be changed as I